Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Give me a call, 866-391-1020. If you have insight on what people can look for when people are struggling mentally, emotionally, what would people around them see? Well, give me a call, 866-391-1020 is the number. I love that call with PK. It was a great question. Um, what do we do if people are real uh, worried about the future and what might happen? And look, if you... If you, I talk about the bucket all the time. If you fill your mind with whatever you fill your mind with is going to be in your mind. If you wake up, you watch the news and you talk, you read every worst case scenario about what might happen. You, you want to have anxiety because that's pretty fear inducing. If you think of every potential catastrophe that could take place and then the worst case scenario of that, then yes, you're probably going to be in a state of unrest. But if you wake up, you express some gratitude for being alive for your breath. If you meditate, exercise, fill your mind with peaceful music, maybe read some peaceful books. Imagine how different your mind is going to be. Think about where the anxiety is really going to lie. Instead of focusing on the extreme catastrophes that might potentially happen What if you focused on what you do have in the present moment? What if you focused on questioning the veracity of the sources that tell you that the sky is falling? And say, wait a minute, is the sky really falling at that rate? Look, there are, it's, we, we live in a world where we like to, to demonize one side or the other or this or that, and we'd like to find an anger target vilify it and then make it the source of all the evils in the world. But more realistically, there is something called circular causality. In other words, we never know what causes what. It's not like that you you know what is the true source of something. I've plugged uh, my dad's blog on this show before. He writes a blog called This Is Not Your Practice Life. And he wrote an article recently about reducing... If you think about arguments, you could reduce them to their mean. You could keep bringing them back to their regression over and over until you get to the base. Like, where did things actually start? So if you take politics and you think, was if you don't like this person, was it the person before it? Or was it the person before that? And then you can keep going back. And we have a tendency when we're arguing emotionally to go back to where we want to go, not keep going back. So what was the original source? And his argument is, uh, his article was, was funny. It's humorous. And he kind of pulls down to like, ultimately when you trace it all back, is it going to be the prime mover? Is that what you're going to be upset with? Is that what you, is that what the problem really is? Is that the source? Um, and it's great article to make you think, and it's worth thinking. So whatever you're angry about, whatever you're upset about, whatever you think about in the world, that's one side of the box. There are other sides, too. We allow ourselves to dwell in anger, fear, anxiety, when we continuously stay on one side of the box. But when we start to expand our perspectives, 
things start to change. I've talked about this before. One of the great anger management uh, techniques. So for most people, you you might have heard through the you know through the years the old sayings never never go to bed angry or you know count to ten and walk away and wow whereas those are wonderful nice little sayings they're not steeped in reality they're not steeped in what we know about neuroscience and what we know about anger if the reality is if you or your loved one if you're fighting because one or both of you is overly tired then by all means go to bed. If you're still angry in the morning, wake up, keep fighting. Or if you are, uh, if you find yourself with something called seething rage, where you get angrier and angrier when you walk away from a situation, then the last thing you need to do is count to 10 and walk away because you can come back and be a lot worse. So there are things you can learn about how to handle anger in a really effective way. I talk about those. Oh, by the way, in my new book, Walking Through Anger. Which is on sale now. And, uh, but there's another technique I'm going to give you right now. And that is the word maybe. And maybe is not just helpful in anger management. Here's how it's helpful in anger management. Whatever you're angry with right now, I want you to, you, you, whatever your anger is, when you say that statement out loud, you're very certain about that. You're very certain that that thing happened, that that person said what he or she said or did what he or she, you know, whatever that person did, and you're very certain that that shouldn't have happened. And in all of that certainty, you're missing out on one component, and that is skepticism. And that's what the word maybe can do. When you say the word maybe to yourself, you say maybe, maybe that is what happened. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's another side. Maybe there's something that I'm not seeing. Well, the moment you implement the word maybe, it radically shifts your certainty into skepticism, healthy skepticism. And not only does that help with anger, but it also can help with anxiety because we think when you're struggle with anxiety, you can feel like you're, especially if you're creative, if you're creative, boy, your anxiety can really get to you. In other words, you can think of really creative things that could happen. So I definitely struggle with anxiety and there are times when I'm flying and I, you know, I've, I practice what I teach all the time. So it's not that I've eliminated all emotion. Sometimes people say, well, you can't experience that stuff if that's what you do. My goodness, I'm a human being. I definitely experience that stuff. But when I'm flying, I, sometimes I'm just fascinated. I start to become the observer because my mind will have the silliest thoughts. I'll say, well, what if the wings just fall off the plane? Or what if the wheels don't? And I start to come up with these creative ideas that are not realistic. And so one of the things I've learned to do is say to myself, maybe, maybe they will, maybe they won't though. <laughs> maybe they're put on there pretty solid and that's not realistic for them to just magically fall off. And then using that skepticism in my, in my own thoughts and, and being able to challenge my own perspective. I think that's huge. When you can learn to challenge your perspective, it really is enormous. So that's not just healthy for anger. It's it's healthy for questioning things about what's going on in the world. It's healthy for questioning it. It doesn't mean that you can't believe something strongly. It doesn't mean that you can't have profound belief in something. But what it does mean is that you're going to be willing to at least question it. So here's a question. It says, hi, Dr. Conti. I would love your advice on how I could be more assertive. Um, I'm, I am... When I'm around my closest friends and family, I'm loud and outgoing. When I'm in groups and around others, I'm very shy. If I practice a script or learn song lyrics, I'm comfortable being assertive because I practice for that role. 
But how can I be assertive in my life? Gabby. Gabby, great question. Gabby, this is awesome. This is not only a great question, but you've actually given yourself the answer in this. You practice being assertive when you're doing the script or learning song lyrics, and then you become comfortable. So I mentioned earlier a, a blog that I think is fantastic that my dad writes called This Is Not Your Practice Life, and I do agree with that. But the one piece I like to always add is you can practice what you might face in life. So you get comfortable with the scripts, you get comfortable song lyrics and singing because you practice it. So practice the assertiveness that you'd like to have. Practice the assertiveness you'd like to have. That can be as simple as grabbing a family member or a friend and saying, let's role, role model this situation I have to face where I want to show some assertiveness. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. Gabby, that's a great, great question. Um, and I think you're right on pace for it. We just want to translate the practice that you're doing for some of the fun things into regular life situations and practice that assertiveness. we got a whole lot more coming up tonight. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. 866-391-1020 is the number if you want to be a part of the show. And let's go to the phone lines. And, John, you're on Emotional Management. Hi, Dr. Conti. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Okay. Um, I have a couple of questions for you, and one of them has to do with anchor management. What do you do when you have someone in your life who doesn't realize that they have serious anger issues? Oh, yeah, that's a great. That's such a great question. I get How do you present it to them in a way yeah, that so, doesn't make them so angry that things get out of hand really quickly? I, I remember um, I, the guy came up to me one time at a gym, and he said... Uh, See, there's a guy over there. This guy struggles with a lot of anger, man. He really needs some anger management. So I walked over to the guy, and he said, uh, so your buddy said you need some anger management. He said, uh, I don't need anger management. He said, I'm good. I said, who always told you you need anger management in your life? He's like, my girlfriend, my mom, my dad, I guess my friends. Um, and I was like, listen, if one person tells you something one time in the heat of an argument, it might not be true. But if more than one person tells you the same thing, then it's likely true and you just can't see it. So, uh, you know, I kind of use humor, but I, but at the same time, I wanted to make him aware that if multiple people are seeing the same thing, then there's an issue there. And do you think that some people with anger management keep it hidden from everyone except the people that they're closest to? Yes, that's, that's so common. That's so common. In fact, it's, it's actually so common that a lot of times when a, a trained therapist, when they're new therapists, they would get sucked into somebody saying like, oh no, listen, I'm good. Everything's fine. They'd be like, this guy doesn't have anger problems. And, and I would say to them, listen, to you right here in this moment, in this social interaction, this person's not displaying this anger. But I mean, from doing this, as long as I've done it, I can pick it up on somebody in a second. I said, but look at the explosiveness that's about to happen. Put that person in a place where he feels confident to lash out. And it doesn't have to be just a male. I'm just saying he could be a she. But put that person <laughs> in a space like that 
where they're comfortable to lash out and feel like it's okay for them to do whatever they want to do or lash out however they want. And yeah, you're going to see those true colors come out. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. I was just, um, <clears throat> just curious about that and, uh, and dealing with some anxiety myself. I think that, uh, whenever I'm dealing with those type of people, Whenever you go to assert yourself, sometimes it backfires. Yeah, no, you're right. I think uh, you you are right. Uh, and because when I go to share it with someone, when I go to shi- shine a light on something for someone, it, my vision, visual is, I almost visualize like I have a cell phone and I'm shining a light on, let's say they have to read, there's something that would be helpful for them to read. So I visualize I'm shining this light on the paper for them to read. But just because I'm shining the light, I don't expect them to read it. My job is just to light up the area. Whether they choose to read it or not, that's still them. So the what the part that I don't give people anything to resist around is I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm simply asking you if there might be something going on if so many people are reporting the same thing around you. Is it possible that something's going on that you might not be seeing? And so when I present it in that way, I'm not presenting it like, listen, there's something wrong with you. A bunch of us can tell because that just makes the person defensive. But if I'm coming at them saying, like, listen, I'm just wondering, is it possible something's going on? And look, I remember one time I went up to a guy. He was an officer, corrections officer, and he was really struggling with anger. And I went up to him and I said, tell me what's going on. Like, are you how? Tell me what's going on, because you seem really on edge. And he got real angry and real defensive. And I said, to be honest, I'm not saying I have no judgment for you. It just seems like you're struggling. And when he started to talk more about it, he had really struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder. And until he, somebody gave him a chance to talk about it without judging him, he was keeping that hidden. Um, and so I think giving people that safe space, not trying to resist it, tell them they must have this awareness. I'm just saying, listen, I'm trying to shine light on it. If you'd like to see it, it's right here. If you don't want to see it and you're not ready for it, that's okay, too. But now I know what to expect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you so much for your call. All right. Bye. Okay. And uh, let's go to uh, John in. Oh, I did not. I. I'm, we're going to hold on. We're gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna continue on in just a minute uh, with another phone line. I messed up a button here. Um, I think that's what's called behind the scenes in the fifth wall or fourth wall. I'm not real sure, but I'm gonna try again. Here we go, John. Now you are on emotional management. Yeah, I have a question um, concerning anger. Um, if you, they say you hold it in, that's uh, repression. But then they also tell you not to uh, act upon it, you know, to vent. So I'll take my answer off there. I don't want to tie up your time. But I'm just, it's just something like, you know, kind of like to know just for my own it's, satisfaction. No, it's all, I think it's an absolutely fantastic question. Um, and I definitely want to address it on the air, if you don't mind. I think, look, you need to express anger. Anger is not wrong and bad in and of itself, and it certainly can come out. There's just a difference between having anger control you and make you be more impulsive and then regretful of what you've just done versus saying to somebody, look, I'm furious when I see this. When I see this, I'm furious. I, I mean, I'll tell you this, John. If I see, I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. The moment I hear stories about children being hurt, my blood boils. Like, I get physically angry. Now, most people aren't even going to be able to tell that that's what's going on inside me. I might need to say, I might need to say out loud, you know what, it really 
angers me to see this stuff. But again, the reason why I do what I do is to try to prevent future occurrences from people doing that. Um, but yeah. I get instantly angry and I don't think there's anything wrong with that emotion. It's just what would I do with that? So if I was belittling to people and I put people down and judge people around it, I probably wouldn't be very effective toward my ultimate goal. But if I sit and go, okay, this sucks. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. But just because I'm experiencing anger doesn't mean I have to act on it. Well, they say, uh, you know, withholding anger is like, you know, can create depression. It, 100%. Depression, anxiety. Um, it, it's when you kind of come back on yourself, it's, it's kind of turning that pain inward on yourself. So it's actually called retroflexion when you turn that pain in toward yourself because you're not allowing yourself just to experience it. And it is okay to say, listen, I'm furious right now. It's not the end of the world. I'm not going to, my head's not going to fall off, but I am angry. And you know what? I need to sit with this anger for a minute. That's a pretty yeah, healthy I work, response. Uh, I do psych rehab. I do site based and mobile. Okay. Uh, it's more of a uh, living skills thing. I kind of help people put their lives back together after they've been diagnosed with mental illnesses. And often during group, I will be asked, well, you know, hey, Joan, uh, what am I supposed to do here? I can't vet, can't hold it in. Yeah, no, and I'd say, I'd say it's, it's real important to people hear the message. There is no, you're not wrong and bad. There's just life consequences. Like if you choose to lash out and be impulsive, you then have to deal with those consequences. I think it takes yeah. discipline and effort to talk about the anger without being reactive to it. So I don't want to be a puppet to my anger. I don't want pup, I don't want my anger to control me. I would rather say, okay, I'm experiencing it. What can I learn from this anger right now? Why am I so angry right now? And then learn from it. Uh, yeah, you said uh, you said that was reflective or re- reactive. What Re- was it? Uh, retroflexion, retroflexion. When you're turning it inward, there's deflection. Like when comedy, you use comedy to deflect what's going on. There's you had mentioned about catharsis, and it triggered my thoughts of Fritz Perls, who talked about that stuff. Um, so I was thinking sublimation when you channel your energy from one place to another. Right. Cathexis when it's stuck energy, catharsis when you release it, retroflexion when you turn it in, deflection when you take it away from you. Hey, listen, okay. I've taught theories for a long time and those words just flooded back to me. So thanks for that. Sure. <laughs> I appreciate right. your call. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great call. So so much important information, I think. Look, we're all struggling in some ways. How do we deal with it? Maybe there are things out there. Maybe there are things, hey, this is what they say. This is what people say we should do or not do. My question for you is, is it okay to allow yourself to question even those authority figures or those scholars and intellects and everyone? I said, yes, question everyone, question me, but pursue an answer to your questions because that's when the real learning occurs. we got a whole lot more coming up, emotional management on KDKA Radio. Welcome to Emotional Management. Um, this is, the, the show is 866-391-1020 is the number. Would love for you to be a part of the show. Appreciate the calls. I, I love doing this show. I love being able to uh, talk about this subject we had a great caller at the onset of the show tonight talking about how these we need to just talk about this stuff. It goes on. So here is an uh, email question. It says, I would love to see a topic on how to not get angry over political social debates online. 
Sometimes I will be on spaces and talking about a personal topic. Uh, then there will be an objection. I will try to make a debate team fact with feelings rebuttal. And then it turns to insults. And then I insult. There's a dopamine rush. But even after I walk away, I'm still angry about it for days. I'm angry about how sharing my point of view is invalidated. I'm angry that I lose my temper. And I'm angry that I got insulted. And it can go on for days. So how does one have a voice online without getting angry and taking it personally? B, B, thank you so much for this question. I think this is such a great question. There are discussion boards in articles. There are places in comment sections in YouTube. There are people who get enraged talking to each other in in chat rooms, in, in comment sections. Think about what's going on here and why this is personal and why this this happens. One is this. So when when you say, I make debate team fact... Um, with with feelings rebuttal. So in other words, here's this debate debate team. Um, this is how I'm interpreting this, and I could be wrong. But it's like, hey, listen, I'm saying this fact, and they should accept this fact that I'm giving to them, and now they should change their opinion to believing what I believe. And here's why we get so angry. We get angry because we're trying to convince other people to believe what we believe. And that is a silly endeavor to make people believe what we believe. And one of the reasons why is beliefs are just that they're beliefs. And because they're beliefs, we believe that if we can get more people to agree with us, then it becomes reality. If enough people hold the same view, then it becomes justified as reality. But is it reality just because a lot of people hold that view or that perspective? Look, the reason why there's so much anger around all this stuff is people really believe. Let's look at it as a box. People on one side of a political fence are on one side of the box. People on the other side are on another side of the box. And each wants the other to see his or her side. And each believes with all of them that the side they see is the complete box. And the reality is that there are multiple sides to every issue. There are multiple sides. And when we get angry, we get angry because we think people should be believing us. They should think the way we think. They should listen to what we have to say. They should not throw comments or mean make it personal. But that's not reality. Reality is human nature is this. There are what are called philosophical fallacies. Boy, being a professor for a long time paid off because I can uh, remember this stuff I would teach in class all the time. But the philosophical fallacies are, they kind of show you the gaps in what, you, what people believe to be logical arguments. So you might think you're being really logical with what you're saying, but there are these what's called philosophical fallacies that show that you're not being as logical as you think. One of them is called an ad hominem attack, which translates to against the man. And here's what happens. You might say, do you like, I'm for puppies. I like puppies. What do you think? And then the person says, oh, well, you would like them because, you know, you wear a red sweatshirt. I'm wearing a red sweatshirt today. So anyway, they start attacking me and they, they start attacking you. Well, you're bald. So whatever. They start attacking me as a person. That's an ad hominem attack. I'm talking about puppies and you're talking about what's wrong with me. 
So it's it's one another philosophical fallacy that falls into place there is what's called ignoring the question. So you're talking about one thing, but now all of a sudden you're talking about something else. The reason why it's important to know this stuff is when you're debating with others, you might be thinking that you're being logical. But true logic, if we're really going to be logical and we're going to be, let's say, scientific about the way we interact with our arguments, well, what is the one thing that presupposes a scientific method and that's falsifiability? It has to be falsifiable. We have to look at something and say that there is a chance that what we're testing might not be so. But as soon as we get into these emotional arguments and politics, all of a sudden we're certain so in the world of the physical world, there are laws that get broken all the time. We see this now. This is what an exciting time to live in the world with the astronomy that we have, the access we have to the astronomy, the astronomical data that we learn constantly. We're constantly finding things that go against everything that we've learned physically in our own physics, our own mathematics. So it challenges us to be not as certain about what we know. And that's even in the physical material world. But now we get to thoughts and beliefs. And all of a sudden, even if there can be things that we're not certain of in the physical world, why is it that we're so certain that our beliefs are the ultimate, are the all all being all sides of the box? Well, we do that because we're insecure. And again, we want to feel secure about what we know, what we believe. So we try to rally others to believe what we believe. Hey, look, if a whole bunch of us believe this, we must be right. But let's say you're wrong about something, and maybe you get a whole bunch of people to agree with you. Matter of fact, that happened before, once or twice throughout our human history. In fact, Ptolemy was an expert. Ptolemy was a wonderful expert, scientific, astronomical expert, that taught that the sun revolved around the earth, and the Ptolemaic universe kind of lived on, and the experts agreed, hey, listen, this person's an expert. He's telling us that the earth that the sun goes around the earth and all the world believed it. And so really you were crazy if you thought otherwise. And then came Nicholas Copernicus who says, wait a minute, the earth goes around the sun and wait, this is crazy. This is not real. What happens when we get so attached to our perspective? We get really angry when other people don't agree with us. No, my side of the box is the side of the box. It's not a belief. This is truth. It's your truth. It's what you're experiencing. But there are multiple ways to look at every issue. One of the best things you can do in not taking things personally is to recognize that two things. When you're talking about these Internet chat rooms, B, let me let me break it down to two things. One, recognize that people who are in an anonymous comment section, an anonymous chat room, an anonymous online commentary they are going to feel free to say the basest, most impulsive thoughts that they have. And if that means getting you angry or fighting, you don't know that you're not arguing with a 10-year-old who got really angry and just started saying words. And you don't know that you're not arguing. And you, and if you were in person, you might never even argue with that 10-year-old. But all of a sudden online, you're, you're, you're giving it credence. And again, it's, you're giving your power away. And here's, here's the other piece. The other piece of that is to be mindful that you're giving your power away when you're trying to convince other people to believe what you believe. You now put your worth in their hands because if they don't believe it, now you're upset. And if they do believe it, now you feel good. So your whole worth is put into someone else's hands when you're trying to convince them to believe what you believe.
one of the great freedoms that we can have is to get comfortable with our beliefs, so much so that we don't need other people to believe what we believe, that we can shine light on it. I, I tell this all the time to guys who are incarcerated. I say, you can't demand respect from others. There's a difference between demanding respect and commanding respect. To demand respect, you tell people, you will you will respect me. And maybe in front of you, they might say whatever words need to be said so that it can look like they respect you, but they could walk away and think, I, I hate that person. I don't respect them at all. But they might acquiesce in front of you. But to command respect is to live a lifestyle in such a way that people actually want to learn from you. They want to do what you're doing. There's a difference between demanding respect and commanding respect. And the same way is true with your beliefs. When you're comfortable with your beliefs, when you're truly comfortable, and when your beliefs are really truly leading you toward peace. See, if your beliefs are predicated on you need to get other people to believe what you believe, that's not going to end mostly in peace. In fact, that's why there have been a lot of wars through the years of people getting so angry that people don't believe what they believe. But if you can truly come to terms with what you believe and be comfortable with it, whether others believe it or not, you're going to have much less desire to convince others to believe what you believe. You're going to say, I'm okay with it. But when you're still questioning yourself, you're probably going to try to convince others. And the reason, because if you can convince them, then they can in turn convince you, and now your beliefs are justified. This is powerful personal growth, and it's all happening here on KDKA Radio on Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Stay tuned for a whole lot more coming up. There is still time to call in. 866-391-1020 is the number. I love doing this show. I appreciate it. It's it's a great experience. Um, I got to be, I uh, did a radio show. I'm doing interviews for this book. It's called Walking Through Anger, and I'm doing interviews. I did an interview today on Coast to Coast AM Radio with George Nori this morning, um, which was awesome. What an honor to be on his show and uh, uh, great, great interview, great experience getting to be on there. Walking Through Anger, this new book that I was talking about, it's easy to read. It's filled with stories. If you listen to the show frequently, you know I like to tell a lot of Zen tales and teaching stories. Got tons of those in this book. So it's the type of book you can pick up and read anywhere. You can flip to a random page and learn something. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a, a philosopher... In the 1800s, named Soren Kierkegaard. And Kierkegaard, he wrote about something called the art of arbitrariness. And he said, you know, if you were to read a book starting from the third chapter, you would get a very different meaning maybe than from what the author intended. But you would get your own meaning out of it. You would get your own purpose out of it. So maybe you don't get the intended meaning, but you get your meaning out of it. And that's what matters. I love that idea of the art of arbitrariness. Um and I like the idea of writing in a style that allows people to flip open to a page and learn something if they wanted to do it that way, but also be a beginning to end type book. But I think what you're going to see is practical information on how to handle anger, your own anger, and really importantly, how to handle others, how to communicate. This is an emotionally charged world. B just asked a great question um, in the earlier segment about how to handle this idea of having a voice online without getting angry and taking it personally. It's such an important topic. We're in an emotionally charged world. And if we're going to face reality, it's all right. How do we deal with this? How do we live and get along in this world? Well, ignoring it 
is not going to make it go away. Had a great call from John earlier who, who talked about that. We don't just stuff it down. Teaching somebody, hey, just stuff it down. Just don't deal with it. That's not healthy. That's not effective. Um, it's a matter of dealing with the anger, walking through it, but doing it in a conscious way. See, if we're circled back to the very opening, when I talked about speaking with people earlier this week uh, regarding happiness and, and recognizing that our goal isn't happiness, our goal is peace. If your goal is happiness, you might fall short because you can't sustain that. How long can you just maintain this state of happiness? But a state of peace, well, this is much different. Peace doesn't mean things always go your way. Peace doesn't mean things all fall into place. Peace is understanding the gratitude of every moment. I think peace is a lot of things, but peace is knowing yourself. And so this book is Walking Through Anger. It's a book of self-discovery. You're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about others. Um, and you're going to get some interesting stories along the way. Stoked. It's out now. Walking Through Anger. Um I got an email um, from Wayne. Wayne says, I've watched your videos and I have more questions. And Wayne, I just had to repeat that question on there because I love it. That's how, That was the extent of it. I've watched your videos and I have more questions. Wayne, I think that is very rational and reasonable to have more questions. I, that's fact. That's what I love. I love when these videos spark questions. Kevin from Guatemala left me a voicemail. And uh, on my video on five keys to controlling anger, Kevin, I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to leave me a message um, from Guatemala. That was pretty powerful. Um, I appreciate uh, your appreciation that you expressed, and I'm grateful that that video was helpful for you. So thank you so much for calling and taking time to do that. A lot of, time, a lot of times we're impacted by things, but we don't really say anything to others about that. So I, I think that's really cool that you did that. Every week I'm here, we're, we're talking on, on Monday nights, eight to 10 emotional management. We're learning about, we're learning about life and how to handle some of these situations. And it's important. It's important because we're all going to struggle. We're all going to encounter situations that are difficult. And the question is, how do we deal with it? Well, I think the more we prepare for reality, the better chance we have to get through it. I talked about the difference between being positive and I wanted to bring it in here and this is what I kind of want to wind down with. I I don't necessarily buy into it's about just being positive because we can't always be positive. We are faced with real things. For me, it's not about positive. It's about accuracy. It's about using words that ground us in reality. When we ground ourselves in reality, we don't exaggerate. We don't downplay. We don't exaggerate. The more accurate we are, the more balanced our self-talk. So it's not that nobody likes you, nobody ever listens to you, nobody cares. It's that today you didn't connect with somebody who showed you the level of care you wanted. Today that this didn't happen today. But the more you stay accurate and balanced in your language, the more likely you are to experience peace or at a minimum not experience those wide range of impulsive, intense emotions. So... Since I was on uh, that great Coast to Coast AM show this morning, I'm going to use a star reference to take it out of the show, and that's this. If you ever looked at that uh, constellation Orion, it's a famous constellation. The brightest star among it is called Rigel. And I have this uh, article I wrote once called Get to Get to Rigel. Because when you get to Rigel, one of the things you'll notice is that constellation no longer exists. 
because from that from that star you couldn't see the constellation the same way we can see it from our star the same is true of your problems if you can get to rigel in your own life see your perspective your problems from a different perspective things change and that's how we can get to peace we start questioning things we pursue answers to things the more we do that the more we find what we're all searching for which is peace and as always i wish you much peace i'm dr christian conti on kdk Radio. how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.